midst of everything that's going on in life, in the midst of, of all of the, the battles, the struggles, the victories, every once in a while, what God wants us to do is to get grounded and to kind of relax for a minute and come back to him. And um, um, that's what today's message is about. In the middle of everything that's going on there in Joshua, and we're seeing Jericho and walls falling, we're seeing AI defeats and victories. There's six or seven verses here that, that spring between chapter 8 and chapter 9 that's like a landmark, a memorial, a landmark that God wants us to know about. And so I pray that it works mighty in your life today as a grounding force and a memorial. So let's, let's uh, bow and prepare our hearts and minds for the word of God. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Blessings of life through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Father. There's something going on, both good and bad, throughout this land and throughout this, this world right now. And it's still that struggle. There's two mountains, and there's always a struggle. And Father... Pray that this day we glorify you through your word. It's a memorial to you. So Father, there are those here this day, every one of us has brought something with us. We need your care, we need your comfort, we need your peace that passes all understanding, we need your healing, we need your grace, we need your mercy and your love. And Father, I pray that all of those are poured out upon these folks who braved the weather and who braved Mother's Day to be here to worship you, Father. And so may your word be mighty to them. May you love on them. And thank you for your son, Jesus. May, may you be glorified by our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, turn, turn on to, to Joshua chapter 8. And happy Mother's Day to, to the mothers and, and uh, you know, and uh, condolences to those like myself who have lost, uh, lost those. I got choked up this morning because my brother Ron sends me uh, songs of the day. So I'm sorry. I'll get composed here in a minute. But they were about Mama prayed and, and Mama's prayers and the things. And uh, put me in kind of a tender mood this morning. So... And all the prayers that people need. We got a lot of people that need prayers and are hurting. And this is the thing that's 
that does it is God's word, which is alive and powerful. So go and get ready to turn on, get turned on and, and, and give you what he wants today. Joshua chapter 8. Let's, let's go and let's get into this. We saw what's been happening all the way up until now. Like we said, those, the victory at Jericho, the defeat at Ai, then the victory at Ai. And now God's getting ready to slow them down for a little bit. He wants to emphasize a couple of his principles of life for him. I want to emphasize these principles of life to you that I have learned this week. One of them is, is listen to my word and follow me and you will be victorious. Fail to listen and to follow me. Well, you're on your own. How's that working out for you? And you're probably on your way to defeat. God wants you and I to see this principle of truth this day in Joshua chapter 8. So if you're there with me, go down to about verse 30. Oh, and I got to tell you, there's a couple of good chapters coming up. This next chapter, next week, here, here's just a little commercial for you. Next week. In chapter 9, we're going to find out about the wiles of the devil. We're going to find out about smooth, slick talkers. We're going to find out how easily it can be deceived. You know, it says in the last times that God's going to have to shut things down a little bit and shut them out early, lest even the elect would be deceived. Isn't that right? Didn't he say that? The thing I'm learning is we like that scripture that says Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, don't we? And we think of Satan as that roaring lion. But you know what? I'm more worried about the Satan that's described in Corinthians that says that he appears as an angel of light. He tries to come and deceive you and just to change one word. He changed one word in the garden and everyone fell through that word. It says, God said... Thou shalt not eat of that, for in the day you do, you will surely die. And, and Satan said, you shall not, added one word, not surely die. And then he started using our senses of, of sight and taste to say, go ahead and do it. It's the angel of light. It's the deception. It's the 99% truth, but the 1% untruth that we have to worry about. And that's what we're going to see next week. And I want to dig deep into Satan, the wiles of the devil, some of his dominions and powers. But before that, what God wants us to do is to see this memorial to him and his word and his working through us when we follow him. And he's got this set up for us. So first off, what we're going to find up is that God is a God of visuals, isn't he? He likes to set up visual reminders for us. God is a God of visuals. So whenever they crossed the Jordan River, you remember what they did? They picked up rocks out of the river and put rocks back in the river and they set up a memorial, a circle of life there at Gilgal. Then the next thing he did was had them all circumcised and they cast all of the foreskins at the Mount of the Foreskins as a memorial to, to crossing through the water and the death, burial, and resurrection and then the, the fleshly nature being cut off. So God set up that memorial. 
And then you go a next couple of chapters and the walls of Jericho fall. And you know how long those, those stones lay there? They're still excavating those stones and showing how that they did fall exactly the way God said. Those stones stood there in a memorial on that land and God put a curse through Joshua. He told him to curse this place and do not rebuild on the top of it. And the one who does, he will start it with the death of his firstborn and he'll end it with the death of his lastborn. And a man tried that and that came true. And so what happened was then, that those stones, God didn't want them removed. He didn't want them built over. He wanted them laying there for a memorial to everyone to know that I am the Lord God Almighty and look what I did to the most mightiest place and fortress that was in this land. And so then we, we get defeated at Ai. And there's another memorial, and that's a bad one. You remember that? Because of Karim, you remember Achan and his entire family were stone burned and then they piled a pile of stones upon them and it says that stands as a memorial to not following it to this day, the word of God. And then last week we saw that in the victory, Joshua called for the king of Ai who they had taken alive, everyone else had perished and then they hung the king of Ai until dark and then they cut him down and piled the stones upon him at the gate of the city is another memorial of the power of God. When you followed me, I was victorious. When you failed, like with Achan, it was because you weren't following me. So God's already set up about five memorials in the land, hasn't he? But now we have a victory at Ai. And that victory is causing God... To give them a pause. And that's what we're going to read about today. So there's a pause in our story. He wants us. This is concerning salvation. And God's battle plans for us. And, and he wants us to know this thing. So if you're there with me in Joshua chapter 8. I want to start around verse 30. I'm going to read it from the word of God. It says. Then now Joshua. This is what God wanted him to do. To pause now at this point. This is an impression upon you. Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. And as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of host stones which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it the burnt offerings to the Lord. And they sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And then all of Israel and all of the elders and the officers and the judges, they stood on either side of the ark before the priests and the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as he who was born among them, half of them... We're over on Mount Gerizim, and the other half of them was over on Mount Ebal, just as the Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded them before that they should bless the children of Israel in this way. And afterwards, he read all the words of the law. He read the blessings and the cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not, now I want you to listen to this. 
there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were among them. Praise God for the reading of his holy word. Now, I want you to see what was going on here. This is how important this word is. And by the end, it's going to be emphasized so much to us. Miss T, go down to that picture I showed you beforehand. I told her I'm going to try to throw her off again today. Okay, they've just won at AI because they, they returned back to God and began following his word again. And so now they've had a victory a defeat because they failed to think about God and go listen to his word, go to him in prayer for the battle plan. After the victory, God encouraged them again through his word, or after the defeat, and then they had victory at that same place in Ai. We saw last week cursings turned into blessings. Defeat turned into victories. And that's what God wants to do with our life. When there's a defeat, when there's something going on, he wants us to reverse that. It's designed to bring us back to him. And so God says, I'm going to set up a memorial to you guys so that you don't forget the lessons that you've learned so far. And so what they're trying to do, if you've seen a map of Israel and the, and the promised land of Canaan, they crossed right in the middle over the Jordan. And what they're getting ready to do is cut a straight path all the way across. And then they're going to go down and take the southern section. They're, they're holding a line of division through there. That's a, that's a strategy that's been used in military since then. It was one of the great battle strategies in World War II you, and World War I. You go through the land and create a boundary, and you leave troops there protecting that, and you go take one half, and then you, you, you man that, and then you go take the other half. And so they're going through, and they've went Jericho AI, now, on the way to the next one, you come up to this valley. And this valley is the valley of Shechem. I'm going to tell you in a little bit what Shechem means. But they're in the valley of Shechem. And on the left is Mount Gerizim that we just read about. And on the right is Mount Ebal. That's the Mount of Blessing and the Mount of Cursing. In the middle, in the valley between, in that valley of Shechem is going to be the Levites and the Ark of the Covenant. You remember what the Ark of the Covenant represents? What? God, the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? It represented the Lord Jesus Christ and, and everything that was in that. So, I've seen a few posts before on Facebook about choose the mountain that you're going to die on. It really goes back to this. Blessing or cursing. You know what's in between the mountains of blessing and cursing? The Lord Jesus Christ. What is your relationship with him? Have you believed in him? Have you been baptized into Christ? Have, are you walking with him? The difference between the blessing and the cursing is what you think of the Lord Jesus Christ that's down in the valley of Shechem. It's waiting there. So this is where they're at. And this is what we have just read. And... This was told, God knew they would be at this point and needing this at this time. So they told Moses to prepare the people back in Deuteronomy. So, okay, go on. I'm back. Thank you, Miss Teague. 
go on back to uh, uh, the next slide after that one. And that'll be Deuteronomy chapter 11. So if you want to follow along with me, we're going to go Deuteronomy 11. And then we're going to go 27 through 30 slightly. And then we will finish up back here at, at Joshua chapter 8 again. But Deuteronomy 11, to, to, to emphasize what we are doing here in this valley and the two mountains, it starts like this. This is the last book of the law. This is the fifth one. And it says there in Deuteronomy 11, Moses is speaking in verse 1, and he's going to tell them over and over again, love the Lord your God. That's all God wants. He wants you to love him. And he wants you to follow him. He says, love the Lord your God. Keep his charges, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Now, he, he, said, I'm, he goes on to say, I'm not speaking to people who do not or have not seen the works of God. You guys have saw the things that he done in Egypt and the desert and how he sustained you to this point. So I'm not talking to people that don't know about him and about the power of his word and following him. And you have all seen the greatness of God and how that he keeps his word. And that as you sojourn through this land, as you and I sojourn through our life, you you need to keep his word. You need to be strong and to possess it so that your days will be long. You want to seek long life. You want to have blessings. The first commandment was that with the blessing was honor your father and mother because this is the first commandment with the blessing of long life. One day we'll study why, because if you didn't, they stoned you if you was unruly by the time you was about 14. So if you wanted long life, you was going to honor father and mother. There's some principles in that that would work very well today. Verse 13 of chapter 11 then goes on to say, It shall be, God says, that if you love me, and that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all of your heart and your soul. It sounds like what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, is not it? So he said, if you will do that, then I will give you certain types of blessings in your life. And I'm not preaching this blessing type of thing like all the other preachers do. I'm just talking about the blessings that comes through following God's word for everyday life. I'm not trying to tell you you're going to get rich and you're going to have a... No, that don't, that don't happen, does it? Because um, for every one of those, I see that Jesus said, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And I seen that John the Baptist, who was the greatest that was born among women, how that he walked in a desert with no home and he ate locusts and wild honey and had a suit made of camel hair. So I'm not promising no prosperity gospel. I'm just saying that God's going to be with you if you love him and you follow him and that he's, he's going to be a part of your life is what the word of God is saying. And he says, I, I will do this. I will reign in the land during its season. We're getting some of that now. He said, I will give it in your season. Your crops will prosper. Your livestock will feed upon the lush grasses. Here it is. It's only May 9th. And I looked over at your field, Eddie, and it's almost ready for hay, isn't it? Usually it's May 30th or so, isn't it? The end of May. They're almost already ready. He says, I will give you the rain and lush grasses so that your livestock will be filled. Do not let your hearts be deceived, though. Deception is the thing that we have to worry about. 
Do not be deceived so that you turn aside from me to serve other gods or other interests and to worship them. That will kinder the anger of the Lord and there will be no rain or produce for you to eat. And you go down to verse 18. My word, he said, my word to you is to be so special to you that you will lay it up in your heart and in your soul. You will bind them as a sign upon your hand. Take the word of God on your hand instead of the mark of the beast. Put it as a sign of the frontlets between your eyes. Don't let his mark be on your forehead. Let the word of God be upon your forehead. And then the frontlet between your eyes, it will be the, the word of God is right here. It keeps you walking in his path. That's what they used to put on the horses so that they wouldn't look aside and get distracted as they're going off. That's the frontlets. It kept them going straight ahead to where they're supposed to be. And you shall teach this to your children. Speaking my word when you sit in the house with them, when you walk by the way with them, when you lay down with them, when you rise up with them. Put it on the doorpost of your house whenever you're walking in and on your gate when you enter. And if you do this, the word of God promises that the days of your children will also be multiplied in the land that the Lord God has given you. You want to give the best inheritance that you can for your kids? You give them the word of God. You give them the word of God every day. You bring them up in that word and you talk it to them every morning and every night and all through the time. And so that whenever they're old, they don't depart from it. What would it gain for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? Teach your kids. Raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He says, if you do this, their days will be multiplied. You know what the, con the reverse of that is? If you don't, yeah, it's going to be shortened, isn't it? So it behooves us to listen what the Lord God's saying. Then, going on down to verse 22. If you will carefully notice how the Holy Spirit words these things about the Word of God. If you will cling, if you will love, if you will carefully observe these commandments all these commandments which I command you to do to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and look hold fast to him if God's our father and he's teaching you things and he's blessing you and and your child comes up and gives you that biggest old hug with that smile on the face for for what you're doing for him how does that make you feel God wants you to cling to him he says by following my words and loving me, it's like you're clinging to me all the time. And God says, cling to me and hold fast to me. And I, now here's a promise, underline this. I will drive away how many of your enemies? Can you refuse a promise like that? If you will cling to me and just follow my word and cling to me and love me, I will drive out all your enemies before you, even the ones that are mightier than you. Did you ever play football and the guy lined up across the line was a lot bigger and stronger than you? God says, I don't care how big he is, you're going to be able to knock him on his tail because I'm the one that's working through you, not you. I will drive all of your enemies away, even the ones that are mightier than you are. In verse 26, 
Here's the two mountains. Behold, I set before you this day blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, that's your blessing. The curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and go after other gods and interests, it shall be that when the Lord has brought you into the land and has put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal, verse 32, be careful that you observe all of my statutes which I set before you this day. Can you see the emphasis that God is placing on his word and how that, that equals out to his love and your love in return to him? I'm reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples. Do you remember what he said in John chapter 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. How do we show love to God? Keeping his commandments. Doing what I say. Exact. You see, the message doesn't change from Genesis to Deuteronomy to John where Jesus is speaking. The message does not change. If you love me, keep my commandments. And again, if your grandkids and your kids, if, if, if you tell them to do things and they never do it, how does that make you feel? If you're telling them to, hey, do this, do that, it's for your own good, and they don't do it, how do you feel? <laughs> Sad and angry. And sometimes as they get older, you wonder if they even love me, right? Man, it, if, you, if they love me, wouldn't they listen to me and, and do what I'm telling them for the, that's for their best interest? That's, that's what he's saying here. We can understand it when we think about our kids. This is our father saying, if you love me, and our brother Jesus in Christ through whom we have our father, if you love me, just keep my commandments. Do, do what I ask you to do. If you're not, then how do I know that you're loving me? That you really mean that? So he said, Listen to what I have written to you. God has pointed these principles out to them. And he's emphasizing it now because it's been proven at Jericho and Ai. Jericho proved it true. Ai proved it false. But God takes it back to true when you do turn back and follow him. And so now's the time to emphasize this in this memorial that we have here. And these are the words of life. And so now... Turn a couple more chapters to Deuteronomy 27. I'm going to share with you some things today that I don't, I don't think it, most places will ever share. Because God is very graphic. Not only is he a God of signs and memorials like we're seeing set up in these stones, but God is very graphic about these blessings and cursings. And I don't think people understand those today. I've, I've spoke with my brother Alan back here, and we've talked before about all the preachers who won't even go into this, these waters in the Old Testament, will they? Yeah, they don't even want to tread there because there's going to be some deceptions of the angel of light who wants to keep you on a way that's going to lead you to destruction by making you think you're okay. And God's got to bring you down. They thought they were okay going into AI, but they weren't, so he had to ground them. And so before they continue on now, he wants to keep them grounded here a little bit. So we get to 27. I'm going to show you some things in 28. But it says, keep all the commandments, again, in verse 1, that I command you. And it shall be that when you cross over into the land that the Lord your God is setting you there, I want you to set up large stones. 
I want you to build a monument with these large stones, and I want you to whitewash or coat them, as the King James says, with plaster or lime. It's a type of coating. So what he wants them to do is to get these big rocks. And I've, I've seen pictures as I tried to look this up of the rocks, and they got these little ones. These are big rocks put way around everything as a monument, and it's huge. How do I know it's huge? Because they're going to put this plaster on it, and while this plaster is wet and getting ready to be set up, Joshua is writing every single word of the first five books on this monument on Mount Ebal. On this monument of rocks that's being plastered over, they're writing into it Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All five books. It's going to say that not one word of the law of Moses did Joshua not write on that memorial. So the memorial on the Mount of Cursing is the word of God. It's an I told you so. It's a chance to repent while we're alive. And on that last day when we stand before him, it's going to be the monument that said, I told you so. You should have looked. So he says, I want you to gather these big rocks together. And I want you to coat them with this plaster. And I want you to write on them, verse 3, all the words of the law when you cross over into the land that the Lord your God has given you. I'm going to start you out with a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, water and bread or crackers is just basic necessities, isn't it? (laughs) Milk and honey is blessings. He says, I'm starting you out in the land with blessings, not just with necessity, but with blessings. You're going in with milk and honey just as you've been promised. But do you desire to keep them? Verse 4, on Mount Ebal... You shall set up these stones that I am commanding you and coat them with that lime and plaster. And there you will build also an altar to the Lord. And there shall be no iron tool used upon these rocks. They're going to be whole rocks that has no iron tool used upon them. Does anybody have an idea why? Why it's just the whole rocks the way they come without iron tools. Every time you see the pictures, they got them chiseled out perfect and set sit all together right and it looks all good God said no my altars have no iron tool you know why not by man's works is the salvation is the altar of God it's by God's works everything is by God's works and there is no iron tools there is there is no man's works that involved on my altar that's going to have the burnt offerings or the peace offerings upon it It is mine and I get the glory. Nothing that you can do about it and do for it. So that's why he says, I want you to put up these stones and there are whole stones that no iron tool has ever been used for. This is speaking of salvation and it's the Lord's work on the cross. Now there's a memorial to that for us as well. But salvation is of the Lord and by doing a a iron tool on it, it would make it a graven image. And he said, thou shall not make any graven images and you'll have no other God before me. And whenever you make this altar of whole stones with no iron tools on it, then you're going to offer burnt offerings and then verse 7, peace offerings. You will eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. Now, why does the word say this? Because first of all, it's a reminder. The burnt offerings represents me 
the sacrifice of something trying to take away sins and making me in a right relationship with God, which is a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ to come. So first of all, he wants us to know that we have salvation and we've been freed up. You've been freed from the bondage of sin. And then when you can do that, guess what you can offer? Peace offering. Because the peace offering shows that now I have peace between me and God. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing greater than a peace of mind through Christ Jesus, is there? You don't have to worry about it through him. I have a peace of mind. So he says, after that, I want you to rejoice. I want you to, do you know the peace offering is the only offering that the one offering it also partakes in? Because it's an offering of joy and peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to do that in a little bit whenever we partake of his body and his blood. That's, that's the peace offering that's coming back for us, okay? That he made the peace between us and God, and we remember that each week. So here we are. All of this, beloved, is happening with what's going on in Mount Ebal. It's what Moses and through the Lord God told him that you're going to do when you get to this point of the journey in the land in your life. This is what it's going to be whenever you're camped there. So by this time... We've seen the principles of Jericho and Ai and the crossing of the river and uh, the, the salvation that was, that was had through there. And this, it represents that God's wrath has been taken away and we now have peace with God and we can celebrate in this. And folks, being at peace with God is special. In, in John chapter 14, Jesus said what? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. That was the greatest thing that he's bringing with salvation is a peace. In John 16, I've told you all of these things so that in me, nothing else, you have peace. If you're in the world, you are going to have trouble. Don't, don't think that there's not going to be trouble. But re relax because mentally you can know that you have peace of mind through me. Because Romans 5.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul in Philippians said, May the peace of God which passes all understanding, it will, if you pray for this, it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You want some peace of mind? You want some strength? Pray in faith, begin following him, follow his word, and then begin praying these promises in faith. It says, the peace of God which passes any understanding that you have will guard, protect, set a hedge around your heart and mind in Christ Jesus your Lord. Pray that in faith to him and ask for that. So now, God told him, I want you to build this monument to the victory of my word. Put my word upon it, every single one, and realize that the victory is in Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. You have peace with God. And in that precious, in the midst of the conquest and the struggle of life, moving on from Ai, right in the middle of enemy territory, guess where you are now that you've been baptized into Christ? You're in the middle of enemy territory. You're, a, you're an enemy in his world right now. And it says... In the midst of the enemy territory, in the midst of your victories and defeats, 
I want you to step back each day and reflect upon what I'm telling you about Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim here. I, God says, I want you to meditate. I want you to reflect. I want you to know that you have a right relationship with me. That's that burnt offering. I want you to know that you're at peace with me so you can rejoice no matter what's getting ready to come your way and then worship me. And that's what they did. So now, Deuteronomy back to 2711. It begins like this. And I call this section, Don't Forget the Battle Plan. <laughs> Here we go again. And he says, There are two mountains in your walks of life, Gerizim and Ebal, blessing and cursing. Don't get careless and forget about these and be fooled by the wiles of the devil. We're going to see it next week, okay? I want half of you. So now here's what he's going to tell them. You remember those two mountains? I want half of you to go over to Mount Gerizim. And I want the other half to be on the side of Mount Ebal. So he's, he's splitting them up. So in that whole huge valley to the top of the mountain and down into the valley on one half is, is the first six that are the children of blessing. And then on the other half all the way up Mount Ebal is the other half of Israel on the Mount of Cursing that is up there. And now as they line up there, you see... Joshua is reading the entire word of God to them in this valley from Genesis to now. And we get to the end of it all in Deuteronomy, the fifth book. And we're right towards the end. And now they gather in this valley. That's a natural amphitheater. The, the, the words reverberated through that. You got two million people in this valley. And these words of God are reverberating through this valley. And they're standing there. And he says, uh, six of you on this side, six of you on that side. I'm going to give you a little hint. The six on the Mount of Blessing on Mount Gerizim were the sons of Leah and Rachel. In, in Genesis, we're getting ready to go to Jacob right now, working seven years for these two uh, women to be his wife. He gets, he gets chided a little bit because Laban tricks him. He goes in there and, and he thinks he's working for Rachel for seven years and he gives him Leah that night in the tent and he wakes up in the morning and, what have you done to me? And he says, oh, we can't give the, uh, the younger before the older. And so he had to work another seven years for the one he thought he had already worked seven years for. That's what we're getting ready to, to see. You see, you can be deceived very easily. So, but the children... Those two sisters are now going to have a war over their one husband. And they're going to think that, that by having children to him is how the blessing is going to be going. And so they're trying to have their blessings. And then one gives them a handmaid to get more blessings, they think. And so now children are being born to a handmaid. And so the other one says, well, I got to outdo that and gives her a handmaid. And pretty soon the four of them have children that's going on. Well, guess what? The children of the two wives are on the Mount of Blessing. The children of the handmaids are on the Mount of Cursing. And in the New Testament, it says that the sons of the bondwoman are always trying to go after the sons of the free woman. And there is another thing of God, one of those mysteries that runs deep all the way through here. So the blessings comes through the word of God and through doing things the right way. So they're on, they're on that mountain there. And they're all speaking and talking. And right in between of them is the ark. 
the Lord Jesus Christ that it represents. It's in the middle of these two mountains. And in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, I'm asking you to read from 27 through the end of Deuteronomy uh, this week as you go and you're going to learn a bunch. But what they do is they get in into there. And if you're in Deuteronomy 27 with me, I'm going to turn there and just read some of these to you. I'm getting excited now. You guys excited? Huh? Okay. Okay, 27. They're going to be in there, and he's telling them to love me and to keep my commandments and do these, and you got these two mountains. And he says, now look, if you're there with me, down there in verse 12, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, Benjamin. These are over on Ebal. Reuben is the only one that was the children, a child of, of the true wives, and he's over there. He was the very firstborn, but he'd done a despicable thing, and so he went to the side of cursing. And so that's what we're going to study if you're here on Wednesday nights too. You'll find out what happened with Reuben. But on the other side, on Mount Ebal, is Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites are down in the valley, and they shall speak with a loud voice so that everyone through that amphitheater is going to hear them. And they're going to say, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image of, uh, that's an abomination to the Lord and the works of the hands of their craftsmen and set it up in secret. And it says all the people shall answer and say what? Amen. Amen. If you look through there, I, I'm not going to take your time to read all these, but look through there. It's got all kinds of things. And they would read it and it would reverberate through there. And when they would read it and they heard it, they all had to agree and vocally say, Amen. Or so be it. Or it is true. Let it, let it be. So if you hear all of these commands of God. And what the cursings are if you do them. And, and you are answering those and hearing them. It emphasizes the point doesn't it? If our children knew these things. You see every year they read through that Old Testament. And teach their children every year out loud. They go completely through it, and the beginning of the year, they start again. By the time you're 20 years old, and you're out, you've went 20 years, probably 15 that you can remember of it, of going through blessings and cursings and the entire works, uh, words of the law of the Lord. If you are raising children up in that kind of way, you'd expect them to, to go a good way, wouldn't you, and to understand things. But it's the nature of man not to do that. They still didn't. But I think we'd be in a lot better place today if we did that with our kids. They had to stand there in that mountain and say amen. And hear all of those blessings and cursings and everything that they were reading there. And so then you, you turn on over to chapter 28. You get there. If you will diligently obey my voice. And again, God's pleading with us. And follow my laws. All of these blessings will be upon you. And the Lord will give all the blessings on Mount Gerizim. Blessed are you. Now listen to him. You'll be blessed in the city. No matter what's happening. You will be protected. You'll be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in your country. We, how's America doing in this? How do we know if we're doing right? Blessed is the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, the herds, the cattle, your kneading bowl. You got flour, you got, you got your bread. Uh, blessed when you go out, blessed when you come in. You go to Walmart, 
God's looking out over you. You go to the gas station, God's looking out over you. When you go out and when you come in. But then in verse 15, he gets down to these cursings that they were reading. And he says, if you don't obey my voice and carefully follow my commands, then these curses will be upon you and overtake you. Cursed you'll be in a city and in the country and your basket and your kneading bowl and the produce and it goes on and on. You starting to get the picture? Look down at verse 21. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord will make plagues that cling to you. How long we've been having one going on now? Over a year. <laughs> Should we be getting a message, America and world? Not just us, the entire world. It will cling. It will hang around fever inflammations, sicknesses, swords, scorching, and mildew, defeated by enemies. He goes on and on. You're going to go against them one way and you will flee in seven ways because you're not following with me. Stricken with boils and tumors and scabs and itches and you will not be healed. Now, look there at verse 57. This is what I told you I'm going to teach you some things that the mainstream's not going to tell you on the TV, okay? In the verses between 30-something and 57, he starts getting very graphic about the things that if you, through all of these things, if you continue to not follow in my ways, even though you see all of these things, but it, wasn't, it will not sway you to, to love me and follow me, then I'm going to have to crank down even a little bit harder. And it says, your men, who usually are, are good men, wouldn't hurt a flea. They're, they're dapper guys. They're going to get ugly. And I'm going to bring such severe famines upon you that they will not share their children as food with you, but they will eat them all themselves to keep them alive. And it will be such that your tender ladies, a tender lady who wouldn't dare to, to step into a fray or into to things like that, that your tender ladies will be so hungry and things kept from them by the, those, the guys that are keeping all of the, the only food you have left is your children and they're keeping them for yourselves, that the ladies who are bearing children, when they feel the time coming upon them, that they will go into a closet and hide and the placenta that comes out from between her feet and the child of whom she bears, she will eat it secretly for lack of everything because the siege and the desperate straits that are in your enemy has put you because he is at your gates and not letting any food come into your way and he's driving you out by withholding the food and causing you to do this. He's not letting it come in. And he says, if you... Do not carefully observe the words of the law that are written in this book that you may fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God than the Lord brings upon you and your children these extraordinary, great, and prolonged plagues and serious illnesses. These are principles of truth 
that exceed just them. Because Romans tells us that we also have been grafted in just like Israel. And, and I'm going to tell you something. We will be held more accountable than them. They're just getting the word of God. They've only got five books right now. They don't have everything from Joshua written yet all the way what we have. In Genesis, you have that story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Well, that was pretty destructive. But I want to tell you what the Lord Jesus said about it. By the time we get to the New Testament, Jesus says, Because I was here and I was speaking to you and you believed me not, it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for you. And you know why? They only had, they didn't even have a word there. Moses wrote it later in Genesis. They didn't have a written word to be held accountable for. And yet they were held accountable because of the law of God, which says that my creation screams out to you what's right and wrong. He said, but you have seen me, Jesus, and therefore you, it will be more tolerable than for them than you because you have seen me and you have heard my words and you've got Moses and the rest of the prophets to know what's right and wrong and what to follow. And I say for us today, we have even more because Jesus was talking before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through Revelation was written. And we have the complete canon of Scripture. So how shall we say God would have to apologize to all of them if he didn't hold us to a higher standard. So what I'm saying today. Go ahead and give me that next, next slide C. So knowing all of this. Moses is telling them. The word of God says. See I've set before you today. Everyone has a choice. From the garden in chapter 3. Till the time that this earth ends. Everyone has a choice. And God has set before us life and good or death and evil. I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And that's the same message that Jesus preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The message hasn't changed from then till now. So go ahead and give me, choose life. That you and your children will live. Are you ready to make a proper choice now? And it will lengthen your days. Give me the next one, Miss T. We'll get ready to close. So now we know what was going on there by the time they get to Mount Ebal. Everything that we have just covered is what's going on. They've had victory by following, they had defeat by not following. And they had victory by repenting and following. That is the principle of life and blessing and the principle of cursing and defeat. And so as a memorial to this, God says in the middle of the journey, in the middle of enemy territory, I've taught you these lessons now in these first eight chapters. Take a moment, build you an altar, Build you a mount, big rocks with my word written on the plaster. And I want you to take a moment to sanctify yourselves. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Be in Christ. Be baptized into Christ. Know him. 
Be a child of God. That's that first offering, that burnt one. Then the peace offering and worship God. Thank him for the right relationship that you now have and the peace of mind that only comes through the Lord Jesus. And the point being, with the ark in the middle, you got the mount of blessing. All of life, people, is about these two mountains in the valley. That's what this picture, the spiritual picture of the word of God is. Mount Gerizim is a mount of blessing with God. Mount Ebal is a mount of cursing without God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Ark of the Covenant, is in the middle giving you the choice of which way you want to go. And if, and if I'm in Christ and I'm up on Mount Gerizim and I'm having a victory, but then I have like my defeated AI, that means that I've done something that's, that's following me out of blessing into some cursings maybe. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to remember my ark that's in the middle. I'm supposed to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did we put on the Mount Ebal? You remember? The rocks and the word of God. Remember that monument? So that if I ever hit rock bottom and I get on the wrong mountain, where do I go to to get back to the right mountain? Yeah. Because on that mount of cursing where my focus should go is to that memorial that was set up there written in stone with every word of the law. And then what's that do? That brings me back through the valley. Thank you, Jesus. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins and the cleansing of all unrighteousness. And I pass back through that valley of Shechem. You know what the valley of Shechem? I told you I'd share this with you. You know what the valley of Shechem means? You know what Shechem means? Strength. Where does my strength come from? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ who is in the valley of Shechem. And the word of God leads me back to Christ, back to strength, so that I climb back up the mountain of Gerizim into the mountain of blessing. So as our worship team comes on up and we close out this day, God put this little section of scripture with all of this history for you and I this day. To know that there's two mountains. Choose good or choose the wrong. But the choice is yours. I've provided everything for you. And I've even set up monuments for you. And ways to get back to where you need to be. Will you love the Lord your God and follow him? In the next two weeks, I promise. There's a couple of crazy chapters. There's a lot of fun things that we're going to learn. But you know what? In the middle of all of this, God says, take a moment and get grounded. Realize what is important and what I expect. Victory versus defeat. Blessing versus cursing. And how I turn cursings back into blessings for you when you come back through me, through the word of God. So what was emphasized as we reflect this day, how great God is and that the word of God says he keeps his promises. That's the first thing that I see. Victory is in the word and in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it provides peace and a right relationship. But what this is really emphasizing to us today. See, this is coming after the second battle of Ai. And it's coming after that victory. And what it's going to emphasize to you and I going forward is this. After every victory, you're most vulnerable for defeat, aren't you? 
So he's saying after your victory, don't do like the last time and go into Ai and get defeated because you went in on your own pride and on your own way and you forgot about. You did not seek my face in prayer before you went that one and you did it on your own and it caused you problems. But when you came back and prayed, I brought you back into the right relationship and then I gave you the, the battle plan of victory. So what this is a reminder of is that after each victory, every week we gather here for what? So that through each week, through each victory, through our walk of life, we are always brought back and grounded in the word of God. We need a fresh hearing of the word after each victory to keep us from walking off and getting caught up in our own ways, in our own pride, and going and getting too busy with life. To check in with God. So every week. Every victory. I need to check back in. And get a fresh word for the next week. To keep me walking with him. And in fellowship. And then when we do that. It says we rejoice. Rejoice. Worship with me. And rejoice. Because your salvation is there. Let's pray. And Father. Whether we realize it or not, this is probably one of the most important sections in the Word of God. What you reveal here for us is of such importance that he says this is how you know between life and death how that you and your children are either prolonged or not. So, Father... We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for, as we sung earlier, that victory in Jesus. Through that victory in Jesus, we are now, through his offering that that burnt offering represented, we now have a right relationship with you. In a right relationship with you, we have peace of mind. He provided peace that comes through him. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We can worship. We can rejoice. We can be blessed beyond all of our imaginations. And Father, the thing that we ask is help keep us there. Help keep us focused. This world has so many distractions. We're going to see next week how easy it is to get distracted by somebody with a line and a smile or a sad tale. So Father, I pray that you keep us humble, that you keep us grounded, that each week, and after each victory that we go back to your word and, and we seek you so that we don't fail. May we cling to you, Father. May you help us in this walk of life and help keep us on Mount Gerizim. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.